Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome to Theology in the Dirt, where we seek to practice our theology in the public square of our homes, our city, and our world. My name is Mitchell Jolly, and you are... Chris Hayes. Dude, we appreciate you guys listening. We really, really appreciate you listening. And by the way, if you don't think our music is dope, you don't have any music uh, acumen in your soul. Earth, Wind, and Fire is legit. That's a great song. And if you don't know what dope means there, for if you're younger than us, that means cool. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah, if you don't know what dope is, man, you need to like get culturally engaged. (laughs) So yeah, we appreciate you guys listening. We have a good time theology in the dirt, trying to put our theology into the practice in our homes. And we start with our homes and try to work in our city and throughout the world. And we always want to bring good content for the people of our church and people who listen who are not part of our church um, as we have a short amount of time each week with each other. We want to make sure we have some content that uh, we can consume that's going to help us grow and help us engage better our domains of society. And so that's what we try to do here. If you have questions you'd like for us to tackle, please send them to theologyinthedirt at gmail.com, and we will be glad to get to them. We are currently in the process of studying through emotionally healthy discipleship, and we love doing that. But in the meantime, we like to always make sure we have a chance to engage the news. Chris, you have some uh, you have some important news that I, I think I'm gonna get fired up about. Yeah, so last week we uh, we covered the world news of Queen Elizabeth passing. This week I'm bringing it back down to Georgia. Yes, okay, so it's where we live, baby. Yeah, so it was announced that most Georgia public colleges are going to stop requiring SAT and or ACT scores as criteria for admission starting in the 23-24 school year. Please God, Hallelujah. Uh, okay, so okay, question. Does that mean that 2022 graduates won't need to? So is that for admission for 2022 graduates? I think so. It would be, yes, from my understanding, it was, it starts yeah next fall. So admission for college starting next fall, you might not. No, I, don't, so, I haven't so, read all of it yet, so I don't want to, don't quote me on that 100%, but that's my understanding is, is most oh. of the, public colleges, at least in Georgia. And I, to be honest, I think there's going to be some more that follow suit. I, I think it's huge I, because uh, we have a 2022 graduate. He signed up to take the ACT October 1 and the SAT on like, two Saturdays after that. And uh, I have always said I hate the ACT and SAT as criteria for admittance into college of any sort because – Standardized testing does not test the intelligence of every kid. No. It, it, te- it tests the capacity intelligence of a certain sliver of a certain type of intelligence, but it doesn't test intelligence. It also doesn't factor in so many other things. I mean, like, some people are just – not everyone learns the same way, and not everyone does well on tests in general, much less four-hour-long standardized tests. And so, I mean, you're just you're completely alienating the people who deal with high anxiety or stress when it comes to that. Yep. Um, there's not an option that that I know of to take it like orally, unless right. like you have. A, I think if you have a very severe documented medical reason, right? Um, if you have a federal like like a 504 um, or various other um, uh, uh, documented learning challenges, you can have 
extra time. Uh, you can be allowed to take it um, at the facility, though, but with extra time, but you got to be in a different place. There are all these rules that go with it. I do, I do know this for a fact. I have it on the word of an admissions director at a at a university who flat out told me in person, face to face, in in regard to me critiquing SAT and ACT and schools' use of them, that it is in fact merely a tool, a clearinghouse for schools to recruit kids. It, it's not actually a, a an indicator of anything. It is a a clearinghouse, and schools work with the SAT, the College Board, and the ACT people. Um, they work together, and without saying it, he was saying it that it's a racket. You pay all this money to take this test, not because it gauges how well you will do in school and not because the schools use it to indicate how well you'll do and therefore invite you to be part of their school. They use it as a clearinghouse to get names so they can give them to their recruiters and go. those recruiters can go recruit kids. That's called a racket to me. Uh-huh. And that's what ACT and SAT is. And so, the dude, if we could cancel those two tests coming up in October, I'll do it. I hope I can get my money back, but... Spent way too much money for a test that's irrelevant. Yeah, don't cancel it yet. Make sure that <laughs> first that you, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, oh. the, the fact that those are, you know, that important, it just shouldn't be the case. Should not be the case. That's right. Man, thank, I can't tell you how helpful that is for me. I'm grateful for it. Uh oh, it's time. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? It's time for the final countdown. The show starts in 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Let's roll. Listen, uh, I just got to admit that I have way too much fun with that. Like the giggle in me, got my giggle box gets turned over every time Big Voice comes on. And then nobody else may think that's awesome, but I think that's the coolest thing in this podcast is Big Voice. It's pretty epic, no lie. <laughs> it gets me every time. People probably roll in their eyes, but I just, that's I, fun. So anyway, I like Big Voice. I like when Big Voice interrupts us. It's really helpful. If Big Voice goes, that's enough, it's time to move on. I like that we've actually named him Big Voice. <laughs> I do too. He's real. He makes his visit. Um, he comes in and uh, he just reminds us. It's a gift of the Lord to remind us it's time to move on from the news. So the main topic. The main topic is emotionally healthy discipleship. And today we're we're going to drill down into uh, take off of last week. Last week we talked about being versus doing, uh, and we defined that. Uh, and now we want to talk about how. How are we going to be with God? Like, how are we going to transition from this lifestyle that's wrecking us to a life of being with the Lord and then operating and doing out of that? So I want to set that up. Uh, really just have one point and two subpoints. And I think, Chris, you have some, some ways, uh, six ways that are going to really be practical. So here's my first uh, stab at how. Uh, each person has to make a decision. Scazzaro talks about you have to make a radical decision. You have to decide that that's what you want. Like there's a component of, of the human. God made us um, able to choose and make decisions. We, we make allocation of our time. Um, God has given us that stewardship to make some decisions. and Those decisions matter. Um, 
And we have to make a radical decision, a crazy decision. Like you've got to sit down and say, I'm deciding today that I'm going to do this. And what I think, what I had to do and what I have to do every day um, when faced with uh, all that needs to be done as a parent, um, as a husband, as a employee, is I've got to make a decision that I'm going to feed my emotional and my spiritual health. And so that's the radical decision is, is, is before I set out to do, I have to feed the source of that doing. If I'm gonna if I'm gonna camp and I'm gonna cook over a fire, I can't cook over cold air. Can't put some logs down the ground and hold my meat stick over the logs and expect to get cooked meat. I have to start a fire. But buddy, when you start that fire, it continues to generate heat. Mm-hmm. I have to decide to stoke the fire of spiritual and emotional health. And if I continue to feed that fire of spiritual and emotional health, um, it's amazing. It's amazing what kind of heat comes off of that. Um, and, and so for me, investing in my emotional health and my spiritual health looks like this. One, spiritual health, uh, it's prayer. I, I, I alluded to Mueller. I'm finding, I'm ashamed to admit, I'm just now finding and discovering at age 49 and this far into ministry that, uh, as I said last time, 99999999 percent of the work is prayer. It's talking with the Lord, and it's prayer that isn't just me talking. It's prayer that's me listening. It's quiet. It's sitting and waiting on the Lord to speak in all the tangible ways he speaks. This isn't this podcast isn't on how to hear the Lord, but the Lord, by the Holy Spirit and his word, talks to his people, mm-hmm. talks to us as a group, talks to us as individuals. Um, he gives us comfort. He, he, he gives us impressions. Like one of the decisions we've been having to make the past few weeks, uh, it was in regard to how we're going to make up some lack. And the continual impression I got was to wait, pray, fast, seek the Lord. Wait, pray, fast, seek the Lord. Don't make the decision to do this, X, Y, and Z, that's going to cost you more labor. It's going to be hard. Ask, seek, knock, ask, seek, knock. And, and that impression was right. Because the Lord was working in various other ways that I didn't see yet. And so I didn't have to do more. I just had to wait on the Lord. Mm. And he made up the lack. So you got to decide a really radical decision to just obey that, to invest in your soul. And then you got to invest in your emotional health. Um, Proverbs tell us the spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord. And he searches all his innermost parts. you got to pay attention to your emotions. Um, and you have to process them. Uh, we've talked about some in here, uh, Dr. Caroline Leaf, and the 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 process of neurocycling. You you have to sit quietly enough to be able to discern how you're feeling. That takes time, and then you got to process that. You've got to feel it. You got to feel those hard emotions. You got to feel anger. You got to feel sadness. You got to feel hurt. You got to feel betrayal. You've got to feel happiness. You've got to feel all of those things and process them, work them through. Sometimes that's a conversation. Sometimes it's a journal. Um, sometimes it's sitting and talking to the Lord and talking it out to him and then sitting and listening and letting him minister to you. But it is feeling your feelings. If we don't take time to feel our feelings, we are going to burst. We're going to break down emotionally. And that feels very impractical. I know that. And people say, well, how do you feel your feelings? That's a question I used to ask. And I can't answer the question except to sit quietly and feel them. And and so if you're feeling them, what that means is sit long enough to process them out. Don't get up and go busy yourself to suppress them. 
That's what I used to do. Go do something to suppress that. Forget about it. Well, your body doesn't forget it. Your body stores it because that's how we're wired. And so invest in your soul. Spend time with the Lord, which is super simple. And then feel your feelings. And if you feel your feelings and and pay attention to them and process them out, you will be on the road to emotional health. You combine those two, you've, you've lit a fire, a good fire that will burn and continue to burn. You keep doing those things, you continue to put wood on that burning fire. And it will produce an end result that's good. Oh, 100%. And then definitely, as, as before I get into these kind of ways, if you haven't listened to our previous episodes on emotional and spiritual healthy discipleship, definitely encourage you to go back and listen to those. There's a lot of good info there. Uh, and it, they all these kind of bleed together and work together. So it'll give a little bit more credence to what we're talking about today. Um, one of the words you've heard me say a lot through these last few weeks is awareness. And I think, Mitch, you just hit on that big time. We have to be aware. <laughs> the more I go to places like Walmart and stuff, I realize awareness isn't as common as it should be. <laughs> People don't have very good self-awareness <laughs> and just park their cart in the middle of the aisle and walk over there. And I'm like, this is like a 12-foot wide aisle, and you are taking all of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, Spatial awareness is dead. <laughs> it's really bad. Um, bless you if you're one of those. Sorry. Um, but having awareness of our emotions and our of our spiritual health is so important and um another one you hit on that so one of my six ways intentionally is not included prayer why because that's everything like you said like i i'm assuming that you know that you should be praying Mm. and and if you pray a lot it's not enough yeah and if you pray a little it's definitely not enough And, and i'm guilty of that plenty of times, but pray be intentional in prayer and incorporate time in your prayer where you're not talking. Yeah. Got to listen. Um, so those are important. It's like, that's why that's not included. I want to preface my six ways of how we do better at working with God and not for God. Yeah. Uh, or how we do better at being with him overworking prayer. It should be ingrained through all of this. Yeah, absolutely. So let that's me dive right. into number one and yeah. we'll just go through these six ways. Number one, Disconnect from worldly things and distractions and just be with the Lord. Mm. Uh, this first one here is crucial. We've got to intentionally disconnect away from the things that absorb us, um, including technology, uh, television, busyness, uh, housework, real work. I'm not telling you you know, to <laughs> leave for four hours in the middle of your job. There are worldly consequences if you do that. Yeah, But we've got to find ways... Um, and this comes through prioritizing our schedule. Uh, it's, it, it takes intentionality. In some ways, it's going to take a little bit more work on the front end to work less, right. if you will. Yeah. But we've got to remove those distractions. We've got to disconnect from those things. And I'm bad at that, too. Um, you can't see me because we're on the podcast on your phone or on your car. But this phone I'm holding my hand is so enslaving is maybe a good word sometimes. Um, very a lot of my work... and for my jobs and everything I do is involved with that. And so there's a good reason to have it. Um, but I'm finding more and more. I sometimes I just want to put it out of reach, you know, and, uh, just disconnect from that. Mm, that's uh, huge. That's massive. It, yeah. It, it's hard, but it's important. It, it is important. The, the, the discipline to get rid of distraction, uh, and, and, and put ourselves in a position to be productive is 
It's hard. Yeah, we don't have to fill up every minute of the day. <laughs> In fact, don't fill up every minute of the day. Busyness right. and distraction, they breed anxiety and exhaustion and burnout. Uh, but connection a, with the Lord. Yeah, a well-planned life, uh, a well-planned calendar, actually using some of the tools on those things mm-hmm. uh, can benefit us. They actually can be used for good. It's not a complete repudiation of technology. It's a mastering the technology to work for our good as opposed to it mastering us. And, I mean, as parents, what we limit our kids' technology, right? We do that for a reason. We're like, you know, a lot of them even have those controls that we're going to turn off at a certain time. Right. What if we did that on our own devices? <laughs> Just right. what if what if you took, and again, I'm not telling you, to take three hours to, tonight. If you can, great, but take 30 minutes. Right. Just all devices off, you know, engage in your eating, as we talk about a lot. Yeah. Just be with it. Um, yeah, my daughter comes to me all the time. Daddy, can we play cards? Can we play a game? And sometimes I'm just, like, tired or I'm watching the show, and when I've been I'm convicted of that lately, I'm like, dude, take 10 minutes and just play a game. Right. Not only does that add value to my child, but it also adds value to my life because now I'm spending time with something much more important than whatever else I had doing. Mm, that's good, man. And that's just a simple way, but disconnect from those things that distract you, those things that keep us busy mm. and unbusy yourself, even if it's just for a little bit of time and then build up. Yeah, that's good. Ooh, that's solid, man. Uh, number two, and I, this one I've learned to try to do more and I think there's a lack of it in the world, but, Number two is begin and end your day with gratitude. You told that story last week about just thanking the Lord, just being mm-hmm. thankful. Yeah. Uh, when we're grateful, when we actually express gratitude, it humbles us, number one. Uh, it creates reflection, and reflection, I think, goes along with awareness. So if you, hear, if you don't hear a lot of the words we say, reflection, awareness, those are going to be crucial in your mm. pursuit to be emotionally healthy and mm. spiritually healthy. Mm. Um, and it's a positive thing. It increases our happiness and our wellness. Uh, so when you wake up, thank the Lord. Mm. Again, it's not a, it have to be a three-hour thing. You don't have to wake up at 4 a.m. if you're used to getting up at 7 a.m. or whatever time you get up. But just right. when you wake up, just thank the Lord. Thank you. Thank mm. him for getting you up. Thank him for your family. Thank him for his grace. Thank him for the things he's going to do in your life that day that are going to heal you and help you and bring you closer to him. And when you go before you go to sleep at night, thank the Lord. <laughs> mm. Just be grateful, and, and and not just to the Lord. Be grateful to other people. One of the things I drive home in my daughter, and I drive home in others, is tell people thank you. Mm. It's not just a, a manners issue. There's something cool that happens when we express our gratitude. Mm. When we yeah. just tell people, "This is you know," when I preach on or not preach, but talk on leadership and post on leadership and, and, and train others in leadership, one of the things I say the most is tell your people thank you. Mm, that's huge. Always, often. That create that instills value in other people. It increases endorphins in us. When, I mean, who hates when someone says, hey, thank you? Right. Because what that does is it also puts proof to that awareness piece. Mm. Because if you're not aware of what people are doing, you're not going to be grateful. If you're not aware of what the Lord's doing in your life, you're not going to be grateful. Mm. So so being grateful, expressing thanksgiving, has an actual biological release in our body. 100%. Yeah. There's, there are things that go off in our brains in those 
interceptors and those all those little things that go off yeah when someone tells us thank you but i think the thing it works the same way when we express gratitude right because what we're doing is we're acknowledging something that's benefited us yeah or benefited people we care for yeah like when someone takes time with my daughter Mm. like if i bring her to work or if i'm out places and people are intentional with her i always go over there and say hey thank you for doing that and, and awesome. for, for them, it's not a big deal. They would be fine if I didn't say that yeah. because they're not doing it for that typically. But I want them to know when you invest intentionally into my child, that impacts me mm. and that blesses me and it makes me better. And so I want to make sure that I convey that gratitude. That's huge. I think one of the one of the beautiful things about the Psalms, um, and, and I'm looking for the particular Psalm, and I, I'm pretty certain um, – uh, it, it's early on. It keeps coming to mind. I should know it by heart. But it, the the gist of the psalm is that Thanksgiving is how we worship. And if you go through the psalms, just the multitude, the multitude of psalms that tell us to give thanks to God, express thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is our sacrifice to God. Thanksgiving is how we praise. Um, I, it, number one, it's obedience. Two, though, I'm convinced God wired the human body that when we obey him, it's to our biological benefit. <laughs> and and there is enough brain science to show us now that a gratitude, a heart of gratitude and a heart of thanksgiving uh, expressed by the person uh, is actually biologically beneficial in their brain. Their brain does good things when they express gratitude. 100%. That's so, huge. So bookend your days with that. Just mm. try it. Try it for a week. I dare you. <laughs> Just to see the difference, though, in your in your attitude and the way that you attack your day when you right. begin it with a sense of gratitude and humility, and then at, at the end of the day, you do the same because you've been aware of all those things that have happened. Mm. You know, think about like in a, a serious circumstance, like if, when someone's saved from a house fire, right. or when a police saves someone from from dying mm. or from being, you know, you see this just overflowing of gratitude. Thank you. You saved my life. You saved my life. What can I do? Can I, you know, buy, buy them gifts. We send them you know, cards every day. You just go all out because that's our natural response to that. Mm. The Lord saves saving our life every day. Yeah. And, and he's doing so much that we can't even see. Yeah. So just expressing that that's like you said, that's worship. It is. David said, I laid down and I slept and I woke because the Lord sustains me. And so the fact that we in that vulnerable state, we're sustained. We should rise and go, thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. It's an acknowledgement. And, and even in doing that, there's benefit to our, to, to our very physical bodies. It's huge. Yeah. Uh, all right, number three, redefine how you measure success and de-emphasize results. Uh, we hit that a little bit a few weeks ago. I think this is important, especially if you're a pastor or a church leader, ministry leader, um, anything in that realm, redefine how you measure success. So when our focus becomes success, numbers, results, um, or even just trying to get that tangible fruit of our labors, yeah. uh, it just creates more stress. It makes us busier. It distracts us from relationship with God, and it quickly leads to burnout because uh, our pursuit's on the wrong thing. Yeah. Uh, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, one of my favorite passages says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus as the founder and perfecter of our faith, 
who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Man, that fires me up every time just reading that. But I, but notice that it says before the endurance part, it says lay off that weight and sin that clings so closely. Mm. And then you let us run with endurance mm. um, the race. But when we're running, looking to him. Yeah. You know, I always, when I use this verse to teach her, to tell someone, I always, you know, those horses, like horses that have like the blinders on. Right. I'm like, man, I need to need a pair of those sometimes. Cause that, sometimes I'm just like squirrel, squirrel, you know, like you're distracted yeah. or we all right. have a little bit of probably of ADHD in us at times of right. just cause there's so much distraction around us. Yeah. Man, if we could just lay that aside and just focus mm. on him. That's huge. Uh, Kent Hughes wrote a book called liberating ministry from the success syndrome. And I, I read that probably going on. Oh my goodness. Oh, five plus years ago. Can't exactly target when it's been a while back, but that, that book was so helpful for me because um, our culture tells us success equals tangible or numerical or some manner of ways of counting things. The Bible rarely does that. In fact, there are times the Bible goes in the opposite direction. Gideon, no, that's too many men. You have too many people because it's going to look like you did it and not me. So you need to pare that down, buddy. And and in a loving way, God says, no, 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 success is a lot um, more Godward. You know, the truth of the matter is uh, a large church isn't more spiritual and a small church isn't more spiritual. Because you can have a lot of people who are consuming, and you can have a few people that are consuming. Um, so numbers don't tell the story in either direction. Um, disciple making, obedience to Jesus, being emotionally and spiritually healthy. Those things you can't measure. Like there are there are no metrics for your emotional success unless you have an emotional breakdown. Then it's oh I was failing. Yeah. <laughs> um or you are sustained and are sustained for the long term, but you don't we're not gonna know that until we reach our sixties, seventies, eighties and we're still smiling and we're not a grumpy old man, but we're an old man full of joy, full of life and wisdom mm. and still grinding. Right, and so you can't measure that today, Chris. We're not going to our twenty twenty two numbers aren't going to measure. Are you emotionally healthy, Chris? And and so yeah, we we have to change the definition of success and what we're looking for in people. Yeah, you know what success is? Obedience. Obedience. How do you become obedient? Be with the Lord. Right. Know Him. Yeah, that's right. Do what He says. Well, one of the things we're even doing as a church is we continue to say. I was meeting with our ministry director yesterday. We're working on planning our budget and. Uh, one of the ways we're congregationally led is our ministry directors are not elders. They're uh, not ordained people. They're church members who lead other church members to take the vision and put it into practice. And uh, and, and one of the things this, this this gentleman, this brother, was continuing to say is narrow and deep. We keep, we keep talking about narrow and deep, narrow and deep, because narrow and deep makes us focus on what God focuses on, and that's healthy disciples. And And it's not... How many ministries do we have? It's are our disciples healthy? Are they walking with Jesus? That's the question we want to ask and answer. One of my biggest pet peeves in the Christian life or misnomers that people either misquote or misstate all the time is when people are like, the Lord never gives us more than we can handle. And I'm like, um, have you read the Bible? <laughs> um, Clearly not read Because if he didn't, then we would we would have all the wins. Right. Because like, if, if we could handle it, what do we need him for? Mm. I think he always gives us things we can't handle because that turns us back to him. Yes, it does. And it puts that focus on him. And then when he gets the glory and when he 
is the results. He's the success in our story. Man, that's life changing. And that, that's what leads to more emotional health. That's huge. And spiritual health. So that's number three. Number four, be in the word. Now, I know it seems cliche to just say, read your Bible, but man, how important that is. Do it daily. Meditate on it. Memorize it. Saturate in the good truth of the word. Matthew 4, 4, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Mm. And so I just want to, I was just looking, I was like, man, this, if we're going to talk about being in the word, we need to read the word. And one of the ones that kept coming to my mind is a passage out of Psalm 119. And so I'm just going to read verses 97 through 105. Um, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts, I get understanding Therefore, I hate every false way. And then the one everybody knows, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. Mm. And that the word is the, the manual is the driver through all of this. Uh, right. We talked about prayer being essential. Uh, just reading the word. Um, it's encouraging. It's yep. uplifting. There's some hard stuff in there, too. That's yeah. good reminders. But, right. man, just I love those words. Yeah. We could just meditate on on the word, like we talked about gratitude, booking any book, ending our day with that. What if you bookended your day with scripture? Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's, uh, the old, the old apostle, the old spiritual father, Paul told his young, uh, young fellow, his young disciple, um, that the scriptures are able to make one know or wise for salvation. Um, the scriptures teach us constantly what, what it is to be a follower of Jesus. And so if we struggle knowing what it is to follow Jesus, it's likely because we're we're not feeding ourselves with what tells us how to follow Jesus. It's able to keep us in the faith. It's able to show us um, who Jesus is. I love him in, in Matthew, not Matthew, John 5. Um, I think it's toward the end of John 5. Jesus said, uh, if you believed Moses, you believe me because Moses wrote about me. And so if we're reading the Bible, even the Old Testament passages feed us with the knowledge of Jesus because Jesus said, Moses was writing about me. And I'm like, wow, like that, that, that kind of stuff gives me the goosebumps because I'm thinking in the Bible, I find more of Jesus. That's, that's just rich. Mm. Yeah. 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 I mean, as a parent, you know, if your child has a random like spot or bump on your, on them, what do we do? We go, read right we go yeah. we're really googling that sucker we're taking pictures we're texting all of our medical friends um yeah you know and because we want to find that answer and i'm like man if we did that mm. for our spiritual and our emotional health too like man something's off right let me go to the word yeah i think boy we could go down a rabbit <laughs> hole here of reading the bible and misusing the bible true um but i'm convinced that the bible teaches emotional health I think it's there. I think we. I think the uh, the life verse mentality of reading the Bible has wrecked our ability to um, see the places where God gives us that. And then I think our our life verse or life chapter mentality has wrecked us from the overall narrative mm-hmm. um, and, and seeing the 
grandeur of this awesome story of history and the kingdom of God, which is why I always tell people, if you want to read your Bible better, go hang out in Middle Earth and Narnia. Mm-hmm. Go read those books. I love them. I'm in the, man, I'm, I'm in the Cimmerillion now and the Cimmerils. And if you don't know, that's the, that, that's middle, that's middle earth a few ages back, uh, before Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. Tolkien crafted this fantasy world out of the kingdom of God. That's his whole emphasis. And the Christ figures are all over the place. And when I leave middle earth or I leave Narnia and come back to my Bible, I don't get stuck on a verse. I see that verse framed in the whole of the kingdom of God, and it, it makes the verse stand out and the whole stand out. And you see the whole story, and you see the whole reality. And then there's comfort that comes in going, God really is running history. Mm. Wow. And I'm, I just, I, yeah, in the manual, and then if you struggle reading the Bible, go read Narnia. Just read Lewis and those little children's books. Help you be a better, better Bible reader, I promise. Yeah, that's a good word. Um, let's move on to number five here. Be in community and fellowship with the body. Uh, one of the negative impacts of, of COVID recently uh, was this establishment of separation and isolation. People realizing, you know, I kind of like just being alone, staying to myself. Uh, right. But that's not biblical. Uh, and it's not healthy. Um, right. I think sometimes we feel this need of, well, I'm tired, I'm exhausted, I'm burnt out, I just need to stay home. Mm. And I think that is the opposite approach. Um, one of the things I love that you guys do as elders when you take a sabbatical is you don't you don't check out for a month. Like you know, you're right. you, you're, you're still at church and yeah. you're there. And I'm willing to say, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, that that's food to your soul oh yeah um just being with the people of the lord being in yep. community I mean, because we're wired that way we we're created for community our yep. well-being is dependent on being around those who lift us up pray for us notice when we're down yeah walk through the fire with us battle alongside us worship next to us laugh and love and cry together all those things are yep. super important and when we are missing those and they I realize it's easier because I'm an extrovert. And so like COVID was hard for me not being able to hug people and be around people. Right. Um, and I realized that quickly. I was like, man, this is, you know, I, I was, I'm still working. I was still around people, but just not being connected to those, to our church family mm-hmm. and to the, to people that are crucial to my well being in life, mm-hmm. just being around the people that feed truth to me, people that, um, Without hesitation, Miss Bonnie Moore, love her death. Mm. Every Sunday, she seeks me out. She gives me a hug. Yeah, and man, I need that. I need. I need to do a better job of telling her that. And thank you for that. But just every, you know, there's just people that the Lord puts in your life yeah. that you need to be around, and He uses them mm. to heal and to restore and to build up. Yeah. And if we isolate ourselves from that, yeah, missing out. Yeah. I I would say uh, the hardest challenge for the local church is how to do community life like that um, uh, more robustly and more consistently because everything in our culture swims against it. Everything. Like it, and, and it's truly, there is truly, um, there are a hundred dark forces that come against that. And I'm convinced it's dark forces. It's part of the battle, um, whether it's geography, setting in life, a perception of our setting in life, uh, values that stand contrary to the kingdom. Um, like, like one of the challenges of, of young couples who have children, 
uh, is managing your children and doing it, doing it in an environment with other children and, and parenting values and things that, that, that we take for granted that can stand in the way and rob community. And diving into that and learning that is hard because it's kind of like trying to jump into the Nantahala River and swim upstream. You, you don't. You don't. You can't. Yeah. You're, you're either going to get hurt, wear out, or drown. Uh, and, and spending time together can be, it's, the, it's, it's where life together is found. It's where we experience the supernatural work of God together. I mean, we do that. He does that alone with us, but it's primarily together. I mean, all through the New Testament, when, when Paul writes letters, he writes in the plural. When he says you, he's not writing to individuals. He's talking to the you, plural, y'all. Mm. And, and, and it's easy to read those as individual verses, and a lot of times we do. Paul's actually saying y'all, all y'all together. And so, man, together is huge, and it's worth fighting for. And it is needed. Uh, just a, a testimony. Um, one of the good things God did this this week is in wrestling um, with some decisions to make. And uh, a brother in our radical life group sent me a sent me a text. And the text was, "Hey, how was it that you guys? How did we how did we get this bill that we're in right now? We're currently recording from Global Impact International, our world headquarters at Restoration Rome, and." He said, how did you get that building? And I told the story of how we got the building and um, from the city of Rome and for a dollar a year for 15 years, had to make some capital improvements and have a certain number of volunteers coming in the building. So we, we met all those. And so we were in 15 years, we will have paid $15 for this 40, 45,000 square foot building, $15. Yeah. So I told him that story by text and, and he's like, I thought that's what it was. And he said, I just wanted to remind you that God takes care of his people. And I was like, oh, you little sneaky, sneaky, sneaky. And it was beautiful, but that happened in fellowship. This brother knowing I was struggling, this brother listening to the Lord and going, I'm going to love my brother enough to remind him of where he's sitting right now in his office, that that was a supernatural work. Mm. And I was like, oh, yeah. And and I, I was just like, oh, thank you. But that happened... Because somebody knew, you got to be vulnerable in community. You got to tell the truth. It's like, I'm not, I'm struggling with my faith right now. I don't believe the Lord. <laughs> and then somebody's like, the Lord goes, hey, why don't you remind them of how faithful I've been? And they're like, oh, yeah. And so they do. And that's just how God works. Yeah. I I got to add this in real quick before we get to number six. Cause I think this is important. So for you folks out there, I'm going to issue a challenge this Sunday, whether you go to our church at Three Rivers, whether you go, where, no matter where you go, find some people in your church. Find a pastor. Find someone who's serving that's there, just working behind, especially someone that's like behind the scenes or that's not on stage, and just celebrate them. Take mm. a few moments, intentionally seek them out. Put your hand on their shoulder. If and unless if you're not a touchy person, that's fine. But just right. connect with them somehow and say, "Hey, I see what you're doing, and I appreciate you." Mm. Thank you for investing in our people. Thank you for mm. being obedient to the Lord. Because I, I, it's hard, man. This is hard work. I have I've had three or four people this week that have we were texting back and forth who just simply said, "Hey, thanks for all you do." And I don't do anything that I do for that. And I'm not trying to put mm. myself on anything, but I'm like, 
but it's those kind of things that help people from getting burnt out. Yeah, that's right. It, it, they don't. Most of the people that are working for the Lord aren't do, and serving in some capacity aren't doing it for those things. But we're human beings, yeah. and sometimes it just is encouraging to be noticed, yeah. or it's encouraging just to say for someone to do that. So that's my challenge this week. Before mm-hmm. we get to number six, is seek people out and celebrate them, thank them, love on them a little bit. Um, that's huge. It's good for your soul to do that, and it's certainly good for theirs. Amen. Absolutely. So let's finish up here. Number six, slow down, get quiet, listen. I really want to focus on that slow down. So I'm a sports guy. I love sports movies, right? Have you seen the movie For Love of the Game? Yeah. Kevin Costner. Yes. So you know, this, if you haven't seen it, the whole movie, based, it's about a pitcher named Billy Chappell for the Detroit Tigers. He's about to retire. And this whole movie is kind of a flashback back and forth between this one game. He's pitching a perfect game in Yankee Stadium on the road, and it parallels his whole life and, and the love love story of him and, and the lady, how they meet his whole career. Um, it's, it's a good movie. Um, but I want to focus on one of the things he does. He does this little trick to help him focus and to kind of shut out all the crowd noise and all the distractions because if you're on a major league mound, there's a whole lot going on, right? you got people right. yelling, probably not very nice things at you from the stands. you got players moving. you got a batter. you got to remember what the count is, what the score is. You're trying to put off that bad call the umpire just made. <laughs> Major League Empires right now, clown show, <laughs> clown show, uh, <laughs> sidebar. Um, but what he does, so he, he kind of he, you hear him say out loud, "Clear the mechanism," and then you see that like he, all the fans disappear. You hear the sound go down, and it's just him and the catcher. It's him and the target. It's him and the next pitch. And I, I, that's always been kind of stuck with me that part because I'm like, man, what if we could do that in life as Christians? We just we just need to stop. We need to mm. we need to clear the mechanism, shut everything off. And everything around us sometimes, mm. um, like literally, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, stop. Yeah, slow down, um, mm. and just be still and listen. Uh, that, to me, I believe that's where wisdom comes from. Mm. It's hard to to receive that word when you're busy, when you're fast, when you're always going. But so slowing down um, is such a crucial part. And in the book, you mean you mentioned this book last week. This is what we're doing through First Sunday at Three Rivers: uh, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. Um, I've just kind of started it, uh, but recommend it already. So good, mm-hmm. good book. Go get it. That yeah. one and um, Scazzaro's book. We encourage you to get those. Uh, but he introduces this idea of slowing. Yeah, and he quotes John Ortberg, and who defines slowing as cultivating patience by deliberately choosing to place ourselves in positions where we simply have to wait. Uh, we have to find a way to slow down both our mind and our body. Uh, and that's easier said than done. But if we can slow down both, so if we could slow down the pace at which we think and the pace at which we move our bodies through the word, through the world, excuse me, then maybe we can slow down our souls to a place where we can actually taste and see mm-hmm. that the Lord is good. Mm-hmm. And he uses the example of driving. He's like, hey, just take a moment, get in the slow lane, drive the speed limit. And that's mm-hmm. a challenge sometimes. I hate people that drive slow in the fact. So that's good advice anyway. If you're going to drive slow, move over. Yeah, get in the right um, lane. But he was like, intentionally make yourself do that. Mm. Turn off the radio. Cruise the speed limit. If you're behind a truck or an old grandma, whatever it is, just driving down the road at a slower pace. Um, and what that kind of does. Now, for some of us, that might increase our stress. But I think if we're intentional about it and prepared to do it, mm. we could get to a place of just peace. Because mm. Usually the stress comes because we're going too right. fast. We're frustrated. People are going slow. 
were frustrated that car just changed lanes without signaling. Right. Or 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 if you're on, if you drive in Atlanta traffic on 285 or 75, people changing four lanes at the last second to get off right. without even looking. Right. Um, but this concept of slowing, mm. I think, is crucial mm. to our Christian lives, to our mental state, our mm. physical state. Right. Um, and I keep using all those words. Like we, we talked about a couple weeks ago, they all work together. They're all parts of who we are and yeah. how we're created. Mm. And so that's slowing down to find peace. And that's where we're going to find it. Mm. I, I um, The Holy Spirit fruit of self-control is an understated piece of fruit that, that we have. God has given to us the capacity to master ourselves by the Holy Spirit, meaning these things are possible. They are totally possible. Um, and I keep, I'm fascinated by our world because all humans are created in the image of God. So there's a, there's a spark of God's image in everyone, unredeemed and particularly redeemed. And when non-redeemed people learn self-mastery and teach it, I'm number one, glory to God. B, I try to listen. And I was listening to a clip of a a man um, from a different country uh, speak about self-mastery. And he was talking about um, how he manages his sadness and his happiness and all those things. And he was talking about boundaries without talking about boundaries. Um, but but he, he talked about uh, making sure that he is the only one who controls happy and sad. And uh, and, and, and then he did that, though, in the context of stopping, slowing down. And when those things come, slowing down, mastering his emotions, taking control of himself, and deciding, deciding what he's going to do. And I thought, wow. And, and, and so I, I say that it feels like it's a little off track, but what I mean by that is his method was to be slow. To stop, don't just react, don't respond, but to slow down. Intentionally slow himself so that he can be aware, tuned into his soul, listening, and then respond. And I'm like, brilliant. But you have to slow down because if you just breakneck, 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 um, all of those things will take, you become a master of, or you become there. You become mastered by them. I'm trying to how these things say this. I become enslaved to them as opposed to mastering them. Mm-hmm. And but you have to slow down. There's even old saying: uh, shooters um, who have learned shooting from talk about slow is smooth, smooth is fast. So if you want to be a good shooter, it's not fast; it's slow. Slow is smooth, and smooth is fast. And I swear, I think that translates to our spiritual life. Mm-hmm. Slow is smooth. Smooth is efficient. Yeah, no doubt. We, um, you know, as someone who's you know, works with video a lot and editing video, like if you just play at normal speed, you're going to miss some things. So sometimes you have to really just kind of slow it down and go frame by frame so you can find those yeah. flaws or those little bits of pieces that are, um, that need to be pulled out. Um, you see it in sports, right? You yeah. hear, oh man, he, he, you just need to slow the game down, or when they're doing instant replay, we got to slow it down mm. so we can see the error. Right, uh, they still get it wrong sometimes, but um, yeah, just being able to slow down puts us in a place to really 
um, get to where we need to get. That's huge, man. Chris, you got a final word? Yeah, last word here. Uh, and, and like I said, there's a lot more than six ways that you can do this. Um, so find what works for you. But again, awareness is key. Uh, when you feel yourself burning out or if you're getting to a place of great stress, take a step back, breathe, rest, Sabbath, pray. Uh, the Lord will sustain you. He'll give you rest. He'll give you peace. Um, he commands us to cast our cares on him. And we mentioned this last week, and I think this is the right scripture to end on. In Matthew 11, 28 to 30, Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Listen and obey. Awesome. Guys, we could not be more thankful for our time with you. We hope this is helpful to you. We hope you are learning. We hope you're being challenged. And we hope you're actually at rest and at peace and learning to walk with Jesus and let him pull the cart. We appreciate you listening. Don't forget to email us with any questions you might have, topics you'd like for us to discuss. We're glad to get on. Give us a five-star rating. Share. Have a great day. See you next time. Out.